Hi, everybody. Before we get into this episode, I had to let you know, like I'm literally bursting at the seams, that on March 13th, Scouts Agency is launching something major. We have been working on this for months, all with the intention to serve your business expansion and catapult your brand awareness. Now, If you want to have first access at our early bird pricing plus access to bonuses, sign up on our waitlist at scoutsagency.com slash waitlist. There will be limited spots available, so if you've been ready to go from the plateaued business owner to the visible visionary, you're going to want first access. Again, that's scoutsagency.com slash waitlist. S-C-O-U-T-S-A-G-E-N-C-Y dot com slash waitlist to sign up for first access. I'm bursting at the seams and I know I have to keep this a secret for just a couple weeks longer, so cannot wait. Okay, let's get into the episode. Scout Sobel, and welcome to the Emotional Entrepreneur Podcast, the podcast where we talk business strategy while also vulnerably connecting on emotional resilience. As the CEO and founder of Scouts Agency, a female-focused agency where we get women as guests on podcasts, and someone who has suffered from, managed, and lived with bipolar disorder, the intersection of mental health and entrepreneurship is where I find my success. If you are here, it is because you are ready to feel safe in your emotions so that you can live your life of purpose. Let's get into the inspiration, shall we? Hello, beautiful emotional entrepreneur. Welcome back to the show. I am so excited that you are here. Thought we would do a little mental health check-in since we still are in May Mental Health Month. So take a moment, acknowledge your emotional state with no judgment, just acceptance, just stating a fact, and breathe it in and give yourself some major, major love. Sometimes I think that we forget to celebrate the showing up is half the job. And if you're showing up, you're doing fucking great. I had a friend who had a challenging situation at work. She runs her own business. A couple days ago and she moved through it and she showed up and she showed her face and I said you know what you should be really proud because showing up is one of the hardest parts about running a business showing up is one of the hardest parts when you are in conflict when you are in a challenge when you aren't feeling your best so if you are showing up and you feel your best I'm still proud of you because we can choose to do so many things with our time but when we decide to put our time towards a dream, put our time towards a large goal, put our time towards a bigger future. It deserves some praise and some pride. So I thought I would start that out real quick. Also, before we get into this episode, I wanted to let you know that the May Mental Health Challenge that I'm doing is still live. And in case you missed it, you can still sign up. Uh, Every single day, you get an email from me throughout the month of May that has a five-minute daily tool, a ritual, a mindset shift, a practice, whatever it might be that you can add to your arsenal of tools when it comes to your mental health. It's also a dedication that you are spending at least five minutes a day prioritizing you, your self-care, your mental well-being. So the daily challenges do not build on one another. So if you still want to join, you can go to the link in the show notes to sign up and start getting that daily email for the rest of May. We still have about two weeks left in May. Or if you are on my Instagram, you can also sign up at the link in my bio as well. 
Some of you have been emailing me back after some of the challenges and letting me know your reflections, your experience, how that tool or mindset shift made you feel or how it was supportive. And hearing from you guys is the absolute best. I also want to say thank you so much to everybody who has been posting my book, The Emotional Entrepreneur, something about this week. You guys are posting it left and right. And so that is another big joy, um, another big pride moment for me and another moment where I want to give gratitude to all of you for not only supporting my work, but also feeling supported enough by my work to spread the news, share the news, share it with your friends and your loved ones. And I do not take that for granted. There's a lot of things we can share in today's world, but when you guys share this podcast or my book or my Instagram posts, it makes my entire day and it reminds me why I do this. It's because this community, it's because being in a group of women who are like-minded, who are going after their dreams and who prioritize and understand the intricacies of emotions, that fuels me and lights me up. So for today's episode, I am in the presence, I have the honor of being in the presence of Mimi Bouchard. Mimi Bouchard is a podcast host. She is the creator of the Superhuman app, which is the meditation app, and she is a self-proclaimed personal development junkie. I have her app. I'm a member of Superhuman, and I love it so much, and it's so different from other meditation apps because it, and you'll hear, we really get into it in this episode where she describes the difference between her app Superhuman and other meditation apps. There are meditations for all of the little moments of your life. So you can listen to a meditation while you're grocery shopping, while you're getting ready in the morning, while you're doing the dishes, while you're cooking. It's almost like this consistent, she describes it as the soundtrack of your life. Like it's like being in a movie. And so I have been putting her meditations on when I am doing mundane things because we all know the magic is in the mundane. When I'm driving, when I'm taking a walk, she's got great walking meditations. When I'm cooking dinner, when I'm getting ready in the morning, uh, showering, etc. It's been such a beautiful new addition to my daily routine. So if you are interested, I would highly recommend checking it out. But this episode is so valuable. I really, really admire Mimi's resilience. I admire her determination, her motivation, her drive, her achievements, her complete and total dedication and commitment to living her best life possible. I think so many times in the personal development world, in the mental health world, in the self-care world, we can get caught up with how much work it is. And that is something we talk about in this episode, how we can reframe that and not even use the word work anymore. So I hope you guys enjoy. I will be on Mimi's podcast later this year. So uh, make sure to follow me on Instagram at Scott Sobel and I'll post it there when that is live. I'm so excited. Mimi is such an angel face doll, which is what I call her right when we start this episode. So I hope you enjoy and I hope you have a beautiful day no matter what emotions arise. Hello, Mimi Bouchard. You are... I'm feeling compelled to call you an angel face right now. You're an angel face with a mean business backbone. You know what I mean? Like you're feminine and masculine in the best ways possible. You got both of the energies on dial. You look like you're out of a Renaissance painting, like your face, everything. I'm just so happy to be in your presence. How are you doing today, love? Well, thank you so much, Scout. That's so nice of you to say. 
and I've never been told that compliment before, the Renaissance painting. I'm going to use that. That's a, that's a good one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I really appreciate it. I would forever just go by angel face, you know, just tell everybody that that is your new identity. So there's so many places, but I want to go to two specific spaces. One, you are a self-proclaimed personal development junkie. And two, you are obviously very big on meditation. You have an entire app called Superhuman. I was doing the high vibe for focus before I hopped on here. So first, let's start in the personal development space because that is a space that, you know, I frequent often. And I want to talk a little bit about what your relationship to personal development is and how you would define it for yourself. That's a great question and a great place to start off. I truly believe and know that doing this work has transformed my whole life. And of course, with everyone in personal development, you have ups and downs all the time, just with any type of success and growth that you experience in your life. And I really do notice that when I'm having those downward kind of days or weeks where I'm not really doing what I know works, like I'm not regularly meditating, I'm not going on my daily walks, waking up early, not looking at technology in the morning, reading my inspiring books, learning, putting myself out there. When I'm not doing that kind of stuff, I just feel terrible and I would never want to live a whole life feeling that way. So the determination that I have behind this work is just like, you live once. I want to feel amazing in this one chance I have at life. And once you get a taste of how good it really feels, it's difficult to ever go back from that. So to answer your question, what personal development means to me is it just means getting a better chance at life. It means connecting with your potential. And I believe all of us have untapped potential within us that you can tap into by doing this work. And that's ultimately led me to creating my meditation app, Superhuman. I, there was a huge gap in the market um, when it comes to meditations that are actually fun to do, feel good, make you feel like you're in a movie and aren't just like sitting, thinking about nothing, clearing your mind. I was really not into that type of meditation. And I always thought that I wasn't a meditation person before I created the app for years because I was just not doing the right types of meditation. So I quickly realized that with really epic, energizing, inspiring, emotive music mixed with really powerful words and just emotion, you can feel like you're on top of the world with doing certain types of meditation. And I don't like thinking about nothing. I like thinking and visualizing like about my future and, and feeling so grateful and just like getting energy involved. And I think that's the way that I do it. A lot of people do other other ways and do other things when it comes to their personal development. And I think it does look different for everyone, but there are similar layers um, everyone can relate to. And, and I think, yeah, that's my definition. It just changes your life. So I want to take us to a place in the personal development space because, you know, I'm big into the mental health space and personal development has been a key vehicle for me to manage my mental health. And what you were saying super resonates with me where when I don't do my daily rituals, when I don't meditate, when I don't move my body, when I'm not eating well, it's kind of a holistic 360 every facet of my life, I don't feel great. And when you don't feel great, your life is not that great. But there's a point, and I want to talk about this point because I want to help everybody here listening break through this point. And I wonder if you resonate with this. 
in the personal development space, in the mental health space, in the spiritual space, whatever space you're in because you have big dreams for your life and you want to be the best you can be. What do we do when the resistance comes in? When you hear that voice in your head that says, I have to do all this fucking shit to feel good. I just don't want to do that today, etc." Because I get it to this day, even though I find myself to be an extremely strict with my rituals and my routines and very in tune and aligned with my personal development. But when we step out of alignment, I feel as if the resistance towards this work comes up. What do we do in those moments? How do we come back home to the truth of living our best life here? Ask yourself, what if it isn't hard? What if it doesn't have to be hard? What if it's actually effortless to feel good and naturally just do this work? Mm. I don't even like the word work, like just because it, it doesn't feel. So I'm actually in the middle of writing my first book and it's all around the idea that you can have effortless transformation and change in your life by simply adjusting your self-image. And this self-image phenomenon and trick, when you slightly dial it one way or another, change it according to what your goals are, actually makes it so that the quote work isn't hard work. It's just what you do. Like, for example, if you go to a party and someone offers you a cigarette, if you're not a smoker, you're gonna be like, oh no, thanks. I'm not a smoker. It's just not who I am. I'm just not a smoker. But if you're going there and you're like, you know, just trying to quit and you're, but you're still in that self image of, I am a smoker. You're not going to say, you're not going to say, oh no, I'm not a smoker. No, you're going to say, oh no, sorry. I'm, I'm trying to quit or mm, tempting, but I'm trying to quit. So I think when it comes to our beliefs about ourselves, it makes something easy or hard. It's going to be hard to resist that cigarette I'm using as an example. Uh, if you have that self-image of someone that is addicted to them, and I know it's a lot easier said than done. There's a lot more layers to it, but I'm just giving a very simple example. So just like with success, I see myself and I always have, even when I was dead broke with $9 in my bank account, I saw myself as a wealthy woman. I saw myself as someone that was going to do something freaking huge in this world. So that energy came across and I never allowed myself to associate me with being dead broke. And I always deeply knew it was a self-image thing I'd ingrained in myself. I am going to be slash M a wealthy person. It's inevitable that I'm going to have wealth and success in my life. Okay. And then things would happen. Opportunities would come up and I'd take them because I'm like, yeah, that's just who I am. I do this type of stuff. I, I believed in myself fully. And that's ultimately what got me to where I am today, which is you know, in the one percent, uh, one percentile of people my age, and I've done that completely myself. And I think when it comes to doing the work, we can decide to to think it's hard, or we could decide to simply say, "This is just what I do naturally. This is just part of my self-image. It's what I do. It's who I am, and it doesn't have to be hard." Because guess what? The type of person that you want to be, even if you miss a morning routine one morning. You're not going to instantly go back to the old habits, the old way of thinking and like hating yourself. You're just going to be like, okay, it's fine. I can maybe do a little meditation later. I'm busy today. No big deal. Still love myself. Still treat myself with respect. Still work hard. It's just who I am. So not tying your worth to the things, just more so cultivating that self-image to then reflect all the other habits that naturally occur in your life. I love the examples that, you, that you're giving. And I love actually how you called out the word work even because I think it, it allowed me to self-reflect on how that word actually might not be serving me in many ways because when I do get out of alignment or when my emotions get the best of me, I probably attach to the 
hard part of what that word means. And, you know, what you're saying, I've seen it transform my life multiple times. I remember that I became extremely confident in the management of my bipolar disorder when I decided that I was someone who was safe in her emotional landscape. I had recognized that I was spinning out of control because I believed I was unsafe in this human experience. And the moment I decided that I was safe was when it changed. And then even on a specific level, like the cigarette, I could never keep up a movement practice ever. It's because I told myself I was not a worker outer. I'm not athletic. I don't move my body. I'm not strong. And I read Atomic Habits. No, I read seven pages and I was like, I think I get the point of the book. And I realized that I was really identifying with the, I am not athletic. So therefore that's not who I am. And the minute I understood that belief and how it wasn't serving me, I was able to implant a new one. And now I have a beautiful meditation practice. Am I doing CrossFit? No, but I do Pilates every day and that's an incredible achievement. So what you're saying about deciding who you want to be before you become that person can allow you to dismantle an old belief system that's keeping you in a, an emotional pattern in your life and to actually bring you there, which I find to be extremely refreshing in your meditation and the way you approach meditation. So I will shut up in a second because I want you to talk about the meditation, but I just want to give a... No, I, I love that. <laughs> and I'm actually just writing this down, dismantling old... I like that word, dismantle. Ugh, it's so powerful <laughs> because it is physical, right? And a little violent in, in some way, a little bit of like that primal, like, yeah. hey, that's not serving me. Fuck you. I'm going to tear it down. You need to be intense. You At the beginning of your journey, especially, you need to be intense. It doesn't just happen. It, you need to go all in and... You know, I, I can on one side of it say, yes, it can be effortless to be who you want to be. Keep that as a belief for sure. But at the same time, go for it with full conviction. I literally locked myself in a room for four months when I was 18 years old, when I first read my first personal development book. And I was like, I need to decide what I want to do with my life because I don't like it here at university. I'm in this tiny residence room. I don't, I don't feel aligned with the other people around me. I want to do something huge and different. I want to be an entrepreneur. And I was like, oh, what should I do to be an entrepreneur? So I literally got a journal, locked myself in my 200 square foot uh, residence room and wrote until my hands hurt and my fingers hurt from holding the pen and just figured it out. I was, I had, was driven by emotion and it, there was no going back from there. And I think that was just the start of my, my journey, but there have been many points since then where I've just gone in with full intensity and, and didn't even think about it being work. It was just what had to be done. Okay. One, what was the book? Cause I have a feeling the success principles by Jack Canfield. Oh. It's like the Bible. It's very easy to read. It's like, He's the guy that, that wrote or like made all the chicken soup for the soul books, you know, used to read those when you were a teenager. And yeah, my mom gave it to me. I was like 18 years old and it's just like the easiest book to read. It's now I read it and I don't feel that same feeling because I've read other personal growth books and it's kind of just like the basics, but it doesn't have to be confusing. It doesn't have to be complicated. The basics are what works. You know, the first chapter in that book is you are 100% responsible for your life. Basic principle. 99.9% .9 of people in the world do not take responsibility for their life. They're victims. It's not my fault. It's because I wasn't raised in a family that could provide this or, you know, I don't have rich parents or blah, blah. No, no. The moment that you start taking responsibility for your life is the moment that you have the power to actually change it. Another 
principle in the book that really stuck with me is you're an average of the five people that you surround yourself with most. I literally cut all of my party friends that didn't give a shit about me back then. I had so many of them. I didn't have any good real friends really. So, you know, that was, I did a whole overhaul of my environment. I would just listen to Tony Robbins on YouTube for a whole year without having any friends. And I, that's what, that was my friends. And I figured it out. You know, there are so many principles in that book that from someone that was living a very average life, like I was, to someone that actually understood that there are these core principles to help you become a successful person, whether it's financially, emotionally, um, whatever it is, success is all encompassing. You know, that's, that's how you get there. You have to follow certain principles. So that first principle, the, that you are 100% responsible for your life, I felt as if I'd come out in a kind of radical way talking about my mental illness because I had been fed the narrative that this is a chemical imbalance, that it's out of my control, that it's not my fault. And while that is true to an extent, that kept me quite uh, in a state of suffering and quite in a state of victimhood. And so I actually take 100% responsibility for my mental illness. There is no more questioning in my mind of why God gave this to me or why I'm suffering from this. It is my responsibility and mine only. It doesn't matter that it's not fair. It doesn't matter that I quote unquote think I would be better off without it. And I think in the mental health world, that's a pretty radical concept. And I think it's a pretty radical concept, as you said, for everybody to understand. And it's triggering for a lot of people. (laughs) It's very triggering. Yeah. And I think that something to be said, if you're getting triggered by that, this is not to negate that the things that have happened to you are not real and a part of your life and obstacles that you have to overcome. You decide how you respond to them. You decide how you respond to them. So that's what I preach a lot. And I will openly say I'm a little scared to preach it to the fullest because I understand how it can trigger people. But it is there is a lot Mm -hmm. of fucking truth to it, whether you like it or not. So there's an intensity about you, obviously. There's a hunger about you. And it's a hunger I see in myself. And, And yet we have this meditation part that keeps our brain focused. If you open your app, you have a beautiful video and it talks about how we do our best work when our mind is calm and focused. How do we take the intensity and the hunger and the dreaming and the passion we have for life and funnel it through a direct calm channel. It's a state of being. (laughs) And I will say that my meditations, like we have calming and relaxing ones, ones for before bed, all that jazz. But the majority of them are, are, they they, they make you feel, they invigorate your senses. They make you feel alive. They energize you. I think when it comes to being in that flow state, you can be hyper-focused and also calm. I think the more emotionally agitated you are, the worse. I like being in this like alive, romanticizing life flow state where I'm calm, cool, collected, but then also just open emotionally. It's kind of hard to describe, but you'll know the feeling like if you do like a really powerful walking meditation on superhuman, those really always get that feeling like heightened for me. It's this combination of just feeling so in control, so excited about your life. Like you're walking through, you know, in your, in your own movie. And that to me is the best feeling in the world. And that, if you want to talk about energy and manifestation, I don't really like that word manifestation, just like that word work, but just because there's such misconceptions with it, I, I believe in the science of it all, but there is science behind how the energy that we are creates a reality whether we like it or not so whether you know you are manifesting or not you are manifesting and that optimal energy of of being in that flow state where it's like you're just expecting 
it to happen. You're expecting your dream life to already exist and therefore feeling that you're already there. You're expecting, you know, your business just to kick off tomorrow. You know, like it, it's just that, that feeling of bliss and that is the optimal state of receivership. It's that gratitude for being in the moment, but then also excitement for the future and bliss about your life and just being in that flow. You said something that you're manifesting, even if you don't think you're manifesting. And I just want to pull that real quick because that's really powerful. So even when we think that we aren't manifesting, we are manifesting. So if we have negative thought patterns, if we have negative beliefs, we are manifesting those to come true. So if we are that powerful, we can do it the other end on the other spectrum. And something I love about you is you've really redefined meditation, I think, especially for people who are who either aren't finding the traditional type of meditation working for them or they want different experiences within meditation. So when I got pregnant, it was very difficult for me to meditate every morning. I, it wasn't working. I was doing my, you know, sound bell bullshit and it wasn't working. And so I went for a walk and I had this premonition to open one of your walking meditations and I did it. And I, I had come from a couple weeks in first trimester where I wasn't feeling on top of my life. I wasn't feeling passionate. I was very physically lethargic, et cetera. And your walking meditation with movement, with a clarity of mind, with looking at the sun and the blue sky gave me a new invigoration and a new peace at the same time. And so I say this because I think it's so smart that you've identified that meditation doesn't need to be sitting on a meditation cushion listening to something extremely spiritual. So in your app, you have meditations for work. You have meditations for grocery shopping. I remember listening to you on a podcast and you're like, I meditated in the cab on the way here. You almost take this grand supernatural experience and you're like, no, this can actually better your life if you do it in the most mundane of moments. Can you talk a little bit about that approach and why you have found it to be so successful? Yeah, well, you change, you transform in those little moments. It's like, it doesn't have to be this big grand thing. I'm spiritual to an extent, but I'm not really, you know, like I don't, I don't not super into spirituality. I'm, I'm not oming and namasteing and totally no hard feelings or any negative, negative emotion towards anyone that does that. And that enjoys that. It's just so not me. I never resonated with it. I don't, I just don't like it it's boring to me. It's cringy to me. It's just not my thing. And I see such tremendous transformation in my members. I have 10,000 members on the app right now. And we launched like eight months ago. It's been crazy with word of mouth. We haven't done any paid advertising yet. And it's just been people telling each other because it gives you, it's like, gives you this, this feeling that you don't get often. It's like this feeling of, you know, the windows open, you're looking out of the car, you're in the back seat, you're playing your favorite song, you feel like you're in a movie, or, you know, you just got the best news about something. And it's just like, we don't get those moments enough in life, but these meditations make you feel that way every day. And the reason I wanted to make meditations for every moment of the day, of course, we have seated meditations, but we also have like 14 other categories of meditations. We're actually launching motherhood and pregnancy meditations in the next month or two. So FYI, but we have, you know, yeah, we have walking meditations, workout meditations, uh, studying, chilling, uh, cooking, cleaning, grocery shopping, like 
getting ready in the morning. Like it's literally a meditation for everything. I haven't done a seat. I've done one seated meditation in the past like two weeks, but I've been doing getting ready meditations in the morning because I've had a very busy past few weeks with work. So I've kind of just been multitasking my meditations in and they make you feel different, but there is science behind why these transform you in these mundane everyday moments. And I'll give you an example that's easy to understand. You know, the Pavlov theory where like the dog salivates when Pavlov rings the bell, everyone knows that, that, um, you know, scientific study. So it's kind of like that, you know, if you listen to a 10 minute walking meditation every single morning when you're walking your dog, you're going to feel more confident naturally when you're walking in the morning with holding your dog's leash. And the more that you do these walking meditations in that scenario, the more likely it is that you can take your dog on a walk without listening to a walking meditation a couple weeks from now. And you're going to feel confident, motivated for the day, driven, like powerful. And you're going to be like, oh, why am I walking with a better posture? And I'm walking with more confidence and I'm coming up with all these creative ideas for my business. And then you're going to realize, oh, wait, it's because I've conditioned my mind to feel a certain way while doing an activity like walking my dog from eight to eight, 10 in the morning, you know? So it's, and the same goes with anything, cleaning meditations, cooking meditations, uh, everything you do. And, And I think that is where real change happens. It's in the small moments of your life. Life happens in the small moments of your life. And I've had to go through a lot to realize that I was always waiting for the next big thing to happen and working really hard for a big aha moment. But then I look back and I'm like, wow, look at everything I've done. And it's just been living in those smaller moments. Like I need to keep doing that. And then my business has now revolved all around that. So super, super powerful, especially because I believe that those fulfilling moments are always during cooking and while you're walking and while you're in the car, they're always the small moments. So to add that, I'm sure there's a scientific word for it, but to, to add amplified or elevated feelings with that just elevates that whole experience and brings you to the next level. So I'm going to ask you one last question. I know you are also an Ed Milet fan. Is that, that's correct still? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's been on my podcast. I've been to his house. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. He's amazing. He says that he is blissfully dissatisfied. And as someone who is deeply into the personal development world and an entrepreneur, we know that these things never end. This journey never ends. It continues going on. So how do you stay focused and excited about your growth while also being present in your day-to-day accomplishments? It's definitely sometimes a struggle for me because I lived most, most of my life looking towards the future and not necessarily being fully in the present moment, but doing this type of meditation work, you know, it's, it's, it's changed how I feel. And it's more of a default set point now feeling grateful while striving towards more. And I love that quote by Ed Milet. And I kind of say it in a different way. I I like to say that, you know, 75% of the time, I like to feel so grateful and so present and so in the moment, but 25% of the time, I like to be very motivated towards the future. So it's like that combination of, of being very, very grateful for where you are. Like he says, you know, blissful, But then also, in a sense, being dissatisfied slash wanting more, I really believe that human beings are goal-seeking creatures and we aren't, you know, so many people say the only time you're ever going to be fulfilled is when you're fully grateful for the present and you don't think about anything else. I actually don't really agree with that. That's not been my reality. I've been happiest when I'm like, yeah, happy and grateful for the present, but also like feeling like I'm working towards something and getting closer to a goal. So, yeah. 
I agree with you 100%. I think the answer you just gave is a complete acceptance of our human nature and not trying to be this elevated person who doesn't have an ego or doesn't understand like that. We do get fulfilled by goals. And I don't think there's anything wrong wrong about that. I, I'm the exact same way. I, I am extremely grateful for my present moment. But if I don't have something out there in the distance that I'm working towards, something in me doesn't feel 100% me. So I love that you gave that answer. Can you tell everybody where to find you and where they can download your app? Yeah, well, I'm typically on Instagram the most. So just at Mimi Bouchard. And uh, you can try my app for two weeks for free. If you just go uh, to the app store, Google Play store, type in superhuman meditation, and it will come up. Uh, there's a 14 day free trial included. And you can also go to the website to see a free meditation and sign up through the website if you want as well. There's loads of info on the website. And loads of testimonial videos, other people's experiences and stories. And I love our website. So I'd suggest signing up through the website because you can see so much more and learn way more about it before signing up. But yeah, either way works. And thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thank you, love. I hope this episode has landed with you in the perfect timing that you need it. I hope that it gives you the courage to chase after your dreams and purpose. If you are so willing, I would be honored if you would text this episode to a friend, if you would rate the podcast five stars and write a review, and follow me on Instagram at Scout Sobel. Over there, you can find links to sign up for my newsletter, which is also in the show notes, and get involved in all of my offerings, from Scout's agency to OKSIS podcast to this podcast. If you're looking for a deeper dive of my work, you can find my debut book, The Emotional Entrepreneur, on Amazon. I am so appreciative you are here, and I will see you on the next episode.